It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into a special edition of the Skinny Podcast. I'm Richard Skinner from Local12 and Local12.com, joined by Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal. A uh, lot to talk about. We're going to talk a, a little spring football here in a bit. The spring game uh, just took place this past Saturday, but of course, the big news over the weekend, the hiring of uh, NKU's John Brandon to become the next head coach at UC. And Chad, you were at the press conference today. Just what, what were some takeaways for you from some of the things John Brandon said? Uh, I, I think, you know, he, he sold his vision really well. Um, I think it excites UC fans to hear we're going to play fast uh, and, and actually feel like, you know, they're going to play fast. <laughs> right. right. Uh, but, you know, that's John's style. He He's what people don't think about and don't really realize, and I had somebody on the board make this comparison, I think there's a lot of Rick Pitino in him in terms of his style and the way he wants to play. And that makes sense because you know who is ultimately up the food chain, one of his big mentors is Billy Donovan. And Billy yeah, Donovan played. is in the Pitino tree. Played for Billy Donovan. Played for Billy Donovan at Marshall. Yep. I happened to be at Marshall at that point in time. So, um, you know, it's – I think it's going to be a really good fit. Uh, he he's good, he understands you know the the defensive mentality of this program, but also understands that that he does things a little bit different. And I think that's the one thing I've always loved about John. I've known him for a long time, and he's always been true to himself. You know, he's never tried to to be something he's not as he's worked his way up the coaching ladder. And I think you saw that at NKU. He came in and immediately implemented his style. It, it took a season there. Uh, because they were still building up towards, you know, full participation in Division One, But after that first season, I mean, he had that thing. The, the last two years, they have by far, and we've talked about this a ton on the Skinny Podcast, they have by far had the best talent in the Horizon League the last two years. Yeah, no question. No question. So, right, now, now, here's the devil's advocate portion of that that would say, look, Mick, Mick played the style he played because that was the, the type of player he could recruit to UC. Um, or was it just that, you know, that that was what Nick wanted to recruit to UC, that he could have gone maybe more offensive-oriented with guys. He chose guys that, that, that did play his style, that did fit his system. What, what would you say to that that says, hey, Nick did this because that's the kind of guy Nick could get? I would say that's lazy because if you look, once Mick adjusted, that's the type of player he felt like he had to have to win in the Big East. But once he got to the American, that changed drastically. Kashmir Wright was kind of the, the, the catalyst of him kind of wanting to start get a little bit more offense. But then when they got to the AAC, Troy Copain, Gary Clark, Jacob Evans, Darren Cumberland, Keith Williams, those guys were all more offensive players. So I think you don't have a problem recruiting offensive talent to the AAC. You just have to find the right fit in terms of this is what our focus is on the recruiting trail because – it, what it is, it's just a game of give and take. The guys that are really good at both are the ones that go to Kentucky and Duke, right? Sure. And then as it slides down the list, some guys have a little bit more offense, some guys have a little bit more defense. Wherever the AAC falls in that in that line, you still can get what you're re- trying to recruit. It's not just that you can only get the defensive type players in the AAC. It's just that Maybe when you get the more offensive-minded players, you're giving up a little bit more on the defensive side. And then you have to coach that into your system on ways to overcome that. And just like Mick had to coach it into a system, ways to overcome whatever other shortcomings he had. And, and he was able to, like this year, it was the size at, at the point guard position. He had two small guards. 
got to figure out a way to overcome that. And, and I think John Brandon will understand that, and I think he'll be fine. He'll get guys that are the type of player he wants, and he'll get them into his system, and I think they'll be successful. John's a guy that we all identified, you, myself, and Rick, on the Skinny Podcast. You know, if Nick Croner were to leave, and, and uh, obviously he eventually did, um, that he would certainly be in a, a phone call that has to be made um, and had to be made whenever they made that, that, that connection. This almost, and I was talking to somebody today, this almost seemed too easy. And, and everybody thinks that too easy sometimes, well, then you took the easy, lazy way out. No, this just seemed easy enough to do what they ended up doing. Well, he's a really good coach. So it did seem a little easy because he's a really good coach, a coach that has ties to the community. I know he's a Northern Kentucky guy, but his dad was raised in St. Bernard. Yep. And that's where the family is from, ultimately. You know, that Bobby Brandon is, is a second cousin. They're a, a diehard Cincinnati family. It's just that his dad ended up moving to Northern Kentucky uh, at you know when John before John was born. So – they became a Northern Kentucky family, but his roots are in Cincinnati. So that's, yeah, it checked all the boxes. He's a really good coach. He's got ties to the area. He's passionate about the greater Cincinnati area. He's got connections throughout the greater Cincinnati area. Why wouldn't he be the guy? Yeah, well, that's, we were all at that point. Like, he, he makes perfect sense. He's the guy. Now, it was met in some circles by some former players not exactly um... – uh, happy with, with with the hire is that just personal feelings you you think and and they just they, they they don't get the situation. No, skinny. I think it's a lot more than that, but it just depends on if you you want this podcast to go viral or not. If you want my thoughts on the situation, go viral, brother. I think it was Bob Huggins behind it the entire time. I think Bob Huggins was trying to get Frank Martin the job, and that fell through. I think Bob Huggins was trying to get Andy Kennedy and Nick Van Exel the job, that never got off the ground. And then when none of that got off the ground, he got the way that Bob Huggins does. He got petty. And he said, you know, go. And yeah, trash the hire. Because we didn't get our way. Because I didn't get my way. He wanted to get the band back together in Cincinnati without him is what he wanted to do. Because he feels like unfinished business or whatever the case may be. He wanted to get his guys back into this job now that Mick was out of the way and it didn't work and he threw a fit. And that's exactly what happened. I like Frank Martin. I know you like Frank Martin. But yeah. if you want to look at the track record and coaching resume for Frank in, in his tenure at South Carolina, at a, a miracle run's not fair. I always use that term. It's not the fair term. He, he had a nice run to a Final Four. He's not done anything we, else in South Carolina other than that. He's had one year of being in the tournament. They made the magical run to the Final Four. Look, that does give you cachet. You can make a Final Four and have three or four bad years. You always have that to hang your hat on. But I, I just – I, I – I, I think John's resume is at a point where he's the guy to tab. Well, Skinny, you know why Frank was interested in leaving South Carolina? Yeah, before the posse got him. Yeah, before he got ran out of town. Correct. So you don't hire that guy? You don't hire the guy that's trying to get out of town because he hasn't performed and he's about to get fired? Come on. And South Carolina, like it or not, and I, I've made this point a couple times, but I don't think it has is, it is, it is sunk in with people. Who is Cincinnati's president? Neville Pinto, right? Mm-hmm. Where was Neville Pinto before he was at Cincinnati? Yeah, I don't know, honestly. He was the provost at the University of Louisville, who was named the interim president at the University of Louisville when everything was going on down there. What is he not going to do? He's not going to touch anybody that has any connection to the FBI thing. It's a non-starter. Absolutely not going to happen. Yeah, well, So Frank Martin was never going to be – 
Right. Frank Martin was never going to be an option here. All right. Now, now the other faction of it was the whole Nick Van Exel. Um, and, and to me, this is not. I think Nick's Nick's done things the right way. He's he's taking that Patrick Ewing route of I'm gonna I'm gonna cut my teeth as an assistant coach. I'm gonna do all those things and work my way up. Um, and, and Pat finally got the chance at Georgetown. Pat has not been a home run hire to this point. He may well be five years. From I think now he's been pretty good. Yeah, no, no, yeah. He's not been the home run that all of a sudden was gonna come in and gonna gonna get you know ninety thousand great players right away and they're gonna you know gonna make runs. They're not there yet. And he may build this the perfectly right way, the way that John Thompson. Built it, built it up to when he became uh, the, the star staying out of Georgetown. Um, I, I, I just, I think if you're looking at resumes, if you're looking at Nick Van Exel, yeah, the, the player part of it. Obviously, he's a UC legend and, and still loved by, by people who remember that time. And to his credit, he, he hasn't taken a shortcut in the NBA. He is working his, his way up. But I think if you're hiring at the level UC is, which is one, one notch the rung down the Power Five conferences, and maybe even this year Power Five conference was actually behind them. You're looking for a guy with some head coaching, you know, pedigree in in, in NCAA basketball, and John has has won three straight conference titles and, and and two NCAA tournament appearances. It's hard to look at resumes and say, yeah, he's a legend at UC. I got to take him. But no, I've got a better resume here in front of me, and I think that's the the faction of fans. If that's what you really wanted, is that, I guess I'd ask, is that what you really wanted? I think some of them did, unfortunately. I think they did to an extent because it's. It's a name. It's somebody that has ties to the program. And I get that. Fans want people that have ties to the program. But it's not the be-all, end-all, and it doesn't make you a good coach. And I've talked about this a lot. We've talked about how the AAC is getting better. Right. And With you're now – yeah, that's exactly why. You're now in in a position where you have to compete. Say what you will about Greg Marshall. He is an incredible coach. No question. Kelvin Sampson. Very, very good coach. Yeah, and if anybody's wondering about Kelvin Sampson, he obviously was offered another job outside of the league this year. The reason he got back yet or was in the AAC is some past transgressions knocked him back down the peg a little bit, and he has shown that no matter where he's been from a basketball perspective, he can coach. Danny Hurley is going to be a good coach in this league. Penny Hardaway is going to get players, and Memphis at home especially, they're going to be very difficult to beat. So you're hiring somebody that has to come in and compete Hell, uh, Ron Hunter at Tulane is a fantastic coach. He's going to get them going. You know, when you move on down the list, there's five, six, seven, eight jobs right now that are really good jobs in the AAC. So if you hire Nick Van Exel, and let's say, Skinny, it takes two to three years for him to find his real coaching chops, his coaching identity. And I think you're seeing that with Patrick Ewing a little bit, right? Yeah. So are you ready to, to take a step back for three years so he can learn? You, you yeah, can't afford to do that in today's climate. You can't. Correct. You have no, to get, hire a guy. You have to hire a guy you think is ready to come in and hit the ground running right now. And the only guy on the list that really fit that criteria was John Brandon. Yeah, now, from, from that perspective, uh, Jaron Cumberland was there today. What, 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 I'm asking you to read tea leaves a little bit. Does Jaron stay, or is this still a decision that he has to make what, whatever's best for him? I mean, I don't think maybe, maybe maybe not even is maybe even separate from from the fact that John's now the coach. Yeah, I don't. I, I, and I've said this the entire time. I don't think Jaron's decision really changes that much, other than does he get along with John Brandon? And it, right. it seems like from what we've seen over the past two days, he doesn't have any issues with John Brandon. He's going to have to decide. He's probably not. I mean, there's very very little chance if you look at the mocks and you look, you know, you talk to NBA scouts. He's not going to be a draft pick this year, right? So does he want to go the undrafted free agent route, 
try to get a two-way deal, try to figure out, you know, the, the backdoor way into the NBA and start his professional career, or does he want to come back and have, you know, potentially a, a big-time senior season under a coach that's a lot more offensive-minded than the previous coach? That's just reality. So I, I don't think the decision is really all that different for Jaron. Uh, some of the, the deciding factors have changed a little, but it's come back for your senior season and try to be one of the best players in the country or decide it's time to go make money. That decision was the exact same two weeks ago. I don't think that's changed at all. Uh, Samari Curtis, I know there was rumblings that he would follow Mick to UCLA. What do, what do you buy on that? I don't think he follows Mick to UCLA. This is a kid that's wanted to, to stay in the region. Um, I think that's maybe he does, but I to me I, I don't that rumor doesn't add up. Um, I know you know Mike Bohm went to see him the day after Mick left, uh, drove up to Xenia, um, and then I know John Brandon spoke with him last night. So they're they're trying to keep Samari Curtis. I think there's a good chance they'll be able to keep Samari Curtis. Um, we'll just have to see you know how the next couple weeks plays out uh, and see. Does Samari feel like Cincinnati's a fit? And then does the new coaching staff feel like he's a fit here? Which I think they will, but, you know, that's part of the process that has to play out. Uh, but now they get into the process of getting to know each other, getting to build a relationship, and, and they get to figure out, you know, how can we make this work uh, for both sides? I think there's a good chance that they figure out a way to make it work. Was Nick in the recruiting process for, for, for more guys for, for the 19 group, or was he pretty much done and moving on to the next date? And, and I asked that in the, the frame of will, will John be, be looking to still add to this year's group? Yeah, I think John will still be looking to add to this year's group. Um, Nick was looking more along the lines of transfers and grad transfers right. to kind of round off this roster. I think John had some high school guys that, that he was looking at. Um, I think, you know, you'll you'll see maybe a little bit of emphasis there. Uh, they'll be out on the road, not this weekend, not Easter weekend, but the following weekend. Uh, and there's always some guys from the, the, the current class that are out playing in these spring events that you can, you know, figure out, get a look at, get an evaluation on, and, and make a decision on. I think you'll see them be very active. There, there are two spots open um, for 2019 right now with Rashawn Fredericks, leave, uh, you know, going into the transfer portal uh, and then the one that they had. So you've got at least two spots, and then if anybody does decide to transfer, you'll get, you know, an extra spot. So – uh, I expect him to be pretty aggressive in trying to continue to add to this roster for his first season. Staff-wise, for, for for John Brandon, what what uh, what what do you hear? What do you think? I, obviously, it's something that, that that's very important too. I mean, we always think about the head coach, but putting together the right staff is also extremely important. Um, what, yeah. what does he do in that regard? Um, I was I was curious about this, so I, I checked with him last night, and this is something he mentioned in his press conference today. Uh, he's not going to make a, high, a a rushed hire just to hit the ground running and get out and start recruiting. Um, you know, John's, John's a very deliberate guy. He's going to explore all the options, make sure he has all the information he needs, and then make a decision. If that happens, you know, with one guy before they go out on the road, great. If it's a situation where, you know, you, you elevate somebody that's already within the program, they go out and help you for a couple of weeks, and then you, you bring your guys in, uh, that's a possibility. So, I mean – I, I don't I don't expect anything rapid fire uh in terms of him putting a staff together, you know, by the end of the week or anything like that. I think he's gonna explore his options, 
I think he knows he's in a situation where he's got an opportunity to hire some really good coaches. Um, and, and I think he'll take advantage of that. Yeah, and, and you know, that's the thing that shouldn't, shouldn't be dismissed is, is the staff he put together at NKU was really good too. And, and you may get one from there, and you also may get one from there that becomes the head coach at NKU. Yeah, I would I would think if Chris Shoemate is available, I, I would think he would come with him to Cincinnati. I don't know that for sure. It's just a guy. It makes sense in that it's a guy that's very familiar with the university. Uh, Shoemate was Mick Cronin's director of operations for a while um, at the beginning of Mick's tenure. Uh, he had hair then. Uh, he doesn't. He he went the. Uh, I, I think it's kind of a necessity with the way things have been the past couple of years. You're going to have to get a bald guy in staff. No question. Brandon family, by the way, great hair. They do. They 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 they, they even even uh, John's father still has a nice full head of hair going. Nice full head of hair, Grant John. I mean, yep. great locks on the Brandon family. Um, we were joking around about that today, and his brother Grant said, "Yeah, that's the entire family." Hey man, that's all you got to look at a lot of times. Look at the dad and know, know where your yeah. know where your hairline's going at some point in your life. <laughs> Great bloodlines on that hairline for the Brandon yes, family. Yes, indeed. Uh, but the, other but, thing, the other thing for for Shoemate, I mean, he may be, he may, I think he would be a could be in, in KU, whether he gets it or not, I don't know. And I would think, you know, for him and and if John would want him to come, you also, you know, you don't have to uproot your family again either. And I think you always have to take that into consideration. So I think there's a lot of things. I think it's going to be a win win for him no matter which way it goes. I think he's either the head coach at NKU or he joins John on the staff at UC. I would tend to agree. That makes sense. So I, I, I would tend to agree with that. And, you know, again, John is in that Billy Donovan coaching tree. There's a lot of good names on that list mm-hmm. as you go, you know, where all, where all the branches, you know, reach out. Uh, I, I think he'll be able to put a really good recruiting staff and, and coaching staff together here at Cincinnati. All right. Now this is the $64,000 question. What what leash does the fan base, fan base give John Brandon? And, and I so say that far, in the, con- yeah, the context of, okay, I think an NCAA tournament appearance is probably well within expectation, especially if Jaron Cumberland comes back. And then, yeah. then what leash do you get from there, right? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it for him is going to come down to what he can do with the rest of this recruiting class and then what he can do with the 2020 recruiting class right. because that's going to be a big one. You know, you're looking – if everything stays the way it is, Jaron Cumberland, Trey Scott, Nizier Brooks, all seniors um, – you're going to have probably three, four, five spots open in that class. So that's going to be a big one for him to really put his stamp uh, on the Cincinnati program going forward. Maybe you see a little bump in the road, you know, in in 2020 as the turnover, you know, sets in. Right. Right. But I think he's got a pretty, pretty good size leash. I think, I think what we've discovered or what has transpired over the past couple of days as this all worked towards the, the finish line, and then from the announcement yesterday through the end of the press conference today, it's been really weird, Skinny. I see a fan base that is almost, dare I say, united. Well, I, yeah, I was going to ask that be, only because I'm glad you brought that up, and, and I probably should have asked it earlier when we were talking about the, the reaction of some former players. Um, if 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 this is going to unite the fan base, maybe you got a couple of former players that are angry, but that's about it, that – Right or wrong, I mean, Mick did a great job. But Mick, there, there was Huggins fans who didn't like Mick because they felt like he was a traitor, um, and never the twain shall meet. And and obviously, Mick didn't make long enough runs in the tournament to get the cachet that would have would have probably swung never the, that faction towards. Never him. the twain shall meet. Yes. Who the hell did, did somebody just kidnap you? 
Where did that come from? Yeah, yeah, where the twain shall meet. Write, write that down. Remember, remember that line. Is that, is that something your dad said when you were a kid? Where did that come from? I use that, I use that term a lot, man. That's a great term, for goodness sakes. It really I, is. I, I've been around you a lot over the past, what, eight years? I've never heard you use that term. Well, there it is. There's the, maybe the first time that you've heard it, but you're here, you're going to hear it again. But no, I, I, that's what I'm wondering. There were, two side, there were two factions to this yeah. fan base, and they argued and bickered at each other constantly. And trust me. There is no one that knows this right. more than me. Sure, yeah, <laughs> I've been running this message board yes. for 13 years. And it's almost like everybody has got a fresh start, and now they can all be on the same page. And I think that was an important part of getting away from that, getting away from Mick Cronin and Bob Huggins. Start something new. And John Brandon is something new, but he's also local. He's also a lot of those things that people liked about the two previous coaches. Now you've got a new guy and I, hopefully everybody can get on the same page. We don't have to pick sides anymore. And we can, we can see a fan base that smooths out instead of is constantly you're either on one side or the other. And, and, and that was exhausting yeah, over the past 13 years. Yeah. Now, now you can hopefully we'll get behind one guy and, uh, you know, I think there's a reason why the UC basketball program has had great success since Bob Huggins got hired, and it's been primarily there were two coaches other than the one year for Andy Kennedy, and Andy Kennedy's a good coach. But you know what it was? It's basically you had really good continuous coaching, and uh, you were able to build a, a Bob Huggins program and able to build a Mick, Hug, Mick, Mick Cronin program, um, and, and now, you know, you get John Brandon, you know, whatever time period he can build the program into. And I think, you know, the, the UC program, I think, has shown that it, it's, it can withstand all of this stuff, and um, you know, even all the bickering, and now who knows what you can accomplish if everybody is on the same page together, and maybe that's where they're going to finally get to. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting if you look at if you put the three coaches side by side, and you look at what they did before they got to Cincinnati. It's almost identical between yeah, the three. Mid mid major success got it got it got Akron to an NCAA tournament, got Murray State to an NCAA tournament, got NKU to an NCAA tournament. It, you're right, almost dead dead on three. You know, mid major successful stories that, that I, I, I heard people even before the, the John Brandon hiring were wondering about, well, you're going to a mid-major to get a, get a head coach. Well, that's where Bob Huggins came from. And that's where Mick Cronin came from. That's where at, at, at usually UC's level, look, a blue blood program, there's only five to seven to 10 if you want to go that far. Yeah, they are going to maybe get a blue blood level coach. All the rest are, you're looking for the next up and comer. And so they got it in Bob Huggins. They got it in Mick Cronin. And now you would hope based on the resume, you've got it in John Brandon as well. Think about it like this. If this works, let's say this works and he's here for a decade, you're going to have 40 years with three coaches. Three, three co- and, and with four if you want to count Andy Kennedy, who was just in there. But, yes, for three main coaches. That, that, that says something. It does. It, I mean, it, it, it very much talks to what the program is all about. You know, the football program has always been seen as kind of a stepping stone job. You can't say that about UC basketball. No, I mean, you, you can to a degree, but only when, when Bob Huggins wanted to go back home to West Virginia, and, and part of it was, obviously, he needed to find another job. And, and well, went to Kansas State first, but he needed to find another job. And Mick Cronin got called by what? He got called by a blue blood. It's, it, those are two that are hard to turn out. Other than that, um, they weren't going anywhere. Right. And didn't for a long and time. And there were plenty of suitors for both of them. Right. So, I mean, it, it's, it, it's exciting to think that we've kind of turned the page uh, maybe we even we closed the book and we started a new book, right? Because we've been turning the page, we've turned lots of pages. We closed that book, we put it on the shelf, we brought down a new book, and we're going to start a new book with John Brandon. 
That's pretty good. I just came. I just came up with that myself. I like that. That gives me a good transition because that, that'll close the book on this portion of the podcast. Let's talk a little, <laughs> little football. That's um, called a segue. It was. It was very well done. Uh, Saturday spring <laughs> game, nice night, um, and Desmond Ritter was the star of the show. What other takeaways? Um, it, it's it, and I've said this all spring, Skinny. It's really tough to judge what they've got at wide receiver right now because their top three corners are out. And actually, their fourth corner is a little banged up, too. So you're dealing with guys back into the roster guys and walk-ons. Your wide receivers better look damn good against those guys. And they have looked good. And they looked really good on Saturday night. Uh, I would say the one that really has uh, taken a huge step throughout this spring is Alec Pierce, kid from Chicago, 6'3", big-time speed, good athlete. You know, one of, one of those four four forty yard dash with a forty inch vertical guys. Uh, he has shown throughout from the time he got here last year as a true freshman, he has shown that he can can beat the defense deep. The problem was he didn't have a whole lot else to his game yet. It, it so, is amazing. All people do a lot of times, Chad, is they look at, at straight line speed and oh my gosh, he can run by a corner. Well, they they can scheme against that. You better be able to get out right. of the break quick and run the route right all all those things that go into it. But obviously that's a good place to start. If you're going to be a wide receiver, I think a good place to start is can you run and can you run fast? Yes. Well, now he's starting to add in the route running stuff. He's starting to be able to, to make plays over the middle. And it's not just, you know, a go route where he tries to outrun the defensive back. And then because he's so big and physical and athletic, he can out jump the guy. That stuff's still there. Now he's adding the other stuff. And we've seen him pretty consistently over the last week and a half start to push for first-team reps. He got first-team reps, and he was fantastic. Uh, so I, I think that's a big revelation. Um, I also think we're, we saw a lot from the D-line. I know the offense gets a lot of credit for the day um, overall that they had, and, and rightfully so. A lot of that was big splash plays over the top of the defense, but the defense really did well at the line of scrimmage. Um, four sacks for Malik Van, uh, another sack for Maje Sanders, that strong side defensive end position is going to really be uh, – I think Kamani Fitz did a, a, a very good job there last year. They've got a chance with those two guys in rotation to be dynamic I think going Van's forward. Be, I think Malik Van's going to be a star. He was a kid I thought could play right away as a freshman, and I just thought the the, the, the longer he's in college, he is eventually going to play on Sundays in the NFL. He just, he just has some kind of an it factor athletically in just the way he plays the game. And the guy in front of him is maybe even more so in that mold. MyJ Sanders is six foot five, two hundred and sixty-five pounds at strong side defensive end with speed and the ability to get to the quarterback. Usually your your pass rushing guys are the weak side defensive end. Um and they've got two guys there in, in Michael Pitts and uh Ethan Tucky that can get to the quarterback as well. So now I think that's the big difference that we'll see with this defense in two thousand nineteen. Because of Cortez Broughton and Marquise Copeland, the strength was that defensive tackle. Well, they're very young there now. I think they've got some talent, uh, especially a kid named Elijah Ponder that has really had a good spring. But I think the focus now goes to the edge and getting pressure on the quarterback from the edge. Um, plus, you're already, you know you're going to be fantastic over the middle behind the defensive line with Brian Wright at middle linebacker and then uh, Derek Forrest and James Wiggins at safety. It was great, Skinny. Last play of the, last play of the spring scrimmage. Interception, James Wiggins. Wow. 
And I and I said, as soon as he intercepted it, I'm like, that's it. You blow the horn. We're done here. Yep. yep. That's how that's how Cincinnati games end. James Wiggins gets an interception. That's Clinch the it. end of the game. Let's go yeah, home. <laughs> even to clinch the spring game. <laughs> and they, they acquiesced. They blew the horn, and we got out of there. Perfect timing. You did bring up the losing Cortez Broughton and Marquise Copeland. I mean, uh, Cortez Broughton's probably going to be drafted, and, and Marquise yeah. Copeland, at the very least, is going to be in an NFL camp. I, I don't know if he gets drafted or not, but obviously he's going to be good enough to get into a, to an NFL camp. And I think the, the, the more – the more I read about Cortez Broughton, and I talked to him for a little bit today because he was down at the Bengals uh, tryout or, or workout. Incredibly day. sharp kid. Very sharp. Really, really enjoyed uh, talking to him. Talking to him about his time as a, in, in a Little League World Series, which was kind of cool. Um, but but th- that is a loss. I mean, you're losing two NFL caliber players. Usually in a program like you see that that's hard to replace right away. But you sound pretty optimistic that that, that they have pieces ready to go. And I think that says maybe where Luke Fickle is in the recruiting process as well. It was funny. I, I was standing around with a lot of um with a lot of former players down on the field and the overwhelming response was like man this just these it's different like we didn't look this big and this physical and this strong five years ago we didn't our roster did not look anything like this and they're absolutely right i mean just look at tight end and it gives you a perfect example of the old and the new like, Josiah DeGuara is really good, right? Excellent player. Yes. But stand him next to Leonard Taylor and Josh Wiley. Mm, Taylor's 6'7", <laughs> 260 or 250 or whatever he goes. Yeah, they're both monsters. And and that's just the different in, difference in the, in the type of roster Luke Fickle has built. Now, they are not going to be able to just replace Broughton and Copeland. Right. Not going to happen. That's just not how it works, uh, especially at, at that position. For a school at the level of Cincinnati, that position, an offensive line, obviously, but defensive tackle is the hardest sure. to be really good at. So that's going to be difficult, but they're going to have to figure out ways to step up. And like I said, I, I really like uh, what I've seen from Elijah Ponder, um, Curtis Brooks. I, I was hoping he would have a little bit bigger of a spring, but he was still good. He just didn't really flash. It was Ponder uh, that ended up flashing. Um, but I think they'll be okay. They're going to have to – they're probably not going to be top five against the run like they were this year. Probably going to have to to find a little bit different ways to be more effective. And that very well could – they could have a dominant pass defense, especially when you get Kobe Bryant and Arquan Bush back. they got two stud freshman corners coming in. And then, you know, the the best safety duo that they've had probably since Haruki Nakamura was here. That's saying something. I mean, it's been a long time. Yep. yep. So uh, I, I think they're in a great spot defensively against the pass, but they're going to have to rely on that to cover up until they get back up to speed, stopping the run the way they were able to do up the middle with with Broughton and Copeland. All right, brother, I appreciate it. You can, you can go take a breath now, maybe take a day off. No, I've got – with Luke Fickle does something I've never seen a coach do. You know, you get 15 spring practices. So they play a spring game and they still have a practice in the bank? Two. Okay. They go tomorrow and Thursday. Yeah, which is obviously odd because most teams finish their most spring teams. The spring game, game the spring <laughs> game is practice fifteen. Yep, exactly. Here, the spring game is practice thirteen. I'll be back Tuesday. I'll be back Thursday. Full reports on Bearcat Journal on both of those practices and Wednesday. I can. You know what's going to happen Wednesday? You're taking a day off that day. Nothing. Nothing. I might. I might put the put a blanket up over the windows. 
and just not get out of bed all day. It's been a hell of a couple weeks. Until you're John Brandon's hired an assistant coach that day. <laughs> Something will come up. It always it, does. Exactly. Chad, I appreciate it as always, man. We'll be in touch. All right. Talk to you soon, Skinny. See That's Chad Brandon from Bearcat Journal. Make sure you check out all of his work. I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Skinny Podcast presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.